Today, I am very excited to host a new friend named Catalina. She's a passionate data and analytics leader, and for her entire career, she has been exposed to state-of-the-art technology solutions across multiple different industries and verticals. She's become a product evangelist, a senior data scientist, a pre-sales engineer, a customer education advocate, and a thought leader across the analytics industry. In her current role at Data IQ, she's helping organizations to make better decisions by using data and machine learning. You will love Catalina's energy on the show today as we talk about responsible outcomes and how to take a holistic approach to your enterprise data strategy. Enjoy the show. Catalina, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've so been looking forward to this. You have just had an absolutely impressive career and are making such a huge impact in the community, especially what's going on within the tech world today. So I'm excited to talk about that and your experiences during the episode today. Awesome. I am excited about talking with you as well, because it seems uh, you do have some insights and important communication that we should be able to share. I love it. Yeah, let's dive in. So with you, I want to start at a really interesting pivot point that you shared with me that you had in your career, because you didn't start in tech straight out of college. You actually were a professor and a pretty technical subject expertise professor that really started your wheels turning to realize this bigger world and what you could do within the tech industry. So tell us about that experience where you were teaching in Colombia. Yes. So from Colombia, South America engineer by trade in electronics, which is by default very techy. Um, so yes, I started from the basic hardware, even before tech as tech that we know today existed, very basic concept of foundation of it. I was teaching multiple classes uh, from the engineer perspective, and a lot of those classes involved you know, signal processing and everything that we can do with semiconductors and things like that. And I was teaching this class for the fourth time. And it's like, we don't even have a fab for semiconductors in Colombia. And I realistically felt a little bit of wasting my time. Like, no, I need to connect dots with uh, what really goes on in the industry, uh, what really goes on in the fab and in the production of it. And that's where I decided I needed to, you know, complement my professional view more holistically. And when I say more holistically, is that sometimes academia it's phenomenal and what can we, it's a phenomenal foundation, but it's not the entire picture. And when we can bring uh, complementary information or seeing how it happens in real life, I think uh, it brings way more value to academia itself. So I am still very involved with academia, but now I can bring way more value than before, right? So before I was like, this is my theory and I'm teaching this class based on this book. Now it's like, I know the theory, I understood it, I applied it, and now I can also bring additional layers to the table because not only happened that way, it adds all of this, right? So it's a complement from the industry. And that has been a beautiful complement pivot moment for me, yes, because I'm getting out of the theory and actually connecting dots with the industry globally across verticals today. When we were first getting introduced, you even introduced this other con concept to me, which was responsible outcomes and how there's all these pieces that layer on any kind of new technology and any kind of opportunity, any outcome you want to drive in a business. But if they're not responsible, then 
they also probably aren't going to be as impactful because it's not seeing the holistic picture. Can you tell us a little bit more about your take on that? Yeah, and that's that's uh, exactly it. Is that uh, you cannot see technology as a as a silo solution? Uh, it's technology that is going to be used by somebody uh, with an outcome in mind, and that somebody will have to interact with other somebody's that will have to be somehow aligned with that structure of what that technology is producing. And then we, when we think holistically as a society that has all kinds of sensors and cameras and all of these collecting our moves on where we are, where are we are doing and who are we talking with and all of that is like, okay, well, let's think about the possible negative outcomes about this. Like, uh, are we letting this machine learning model take that decision for us? Is that the real thing to do? Wait, what was the data that was used to train that model and how we ensure that there is no bias including including there or how do we know that that no was not uh, trained with garbage because at the end garbage in garbage out and that covers technology even now more than ever when we're using llm models like chat gpt where you have all of that document available publicly being used to train and train and train and train these models. So ultimately our social stereotypes and the way that we talk to each other and the way that we represent who we are and diversity and all of that has to, and it's translated somehow into data and technology that is being used today to make important decisions. So back to the responsible aspect of it is that let's be aware of uh, what the kind of outcomes that we can generate out of this, especially when we are digitalizing our own cultural issues and stereotypes and all of these, right? Because at the end data is data and uh, <laughs> not everything is well represented uh, in it and we are putting technology on top of it. And that can be a phenomenal, powerful combination, but it can be also dangerous. Let's think about the outcome of that machine learning and who is going to be affected by it. That's good. I've always been an outcome driven seller person, like especially in business, you've got to think about, like you said, that responsible outcome, that end user experience and what that output's going to be before you even begin, or else you can just start down this crazy train that's headed for a broken railroad track. Like it's just not going anywhere. And so if you don't lay that foundation and you aren't building appropriately to make sure that the business is able to succeed from this technology that's being implemented or this new exercise that's being done with their data, then it's just, it's going to be, you know, a road without a lot of guide rails. So I'm curious because you talk a lot about in your blogs and in your content, helping companies prepare culturally for these data and these AI changes that are coming. Where is a good place for these companies to even start when they're looking to go down this path? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I think the last 20 years have been a teaching experience for the industry as well while we 
you know, target digital transformation and what we can do with uh, all this data and so on. And what really has been going on is that we have been digitalizing more and more of the processes that before were not digital. So a conversation with somebody, a contract, a paper document, all of those um, data sources that are now being uh, taken into consideration. So for these teams, it has been a process to kind of change the approach to solve this. Uh, and I think at the beginning it was like, oh, let's digitally transform and let's collect more data. And perhaps the quality of the data is horrible. Let's go back. Let's tweak some stuff. Let's make it better. But the approach was very uh, individual oriented, like I am an individual contributor and I am solving my problem. So if I know Python, that's phenomenal. I was able to solve my problem. But what we have seen in the last 20 years is that the so what? That all of those individual contributors solving pockets of problems uh, with pockets of technology that at the end is not reusable by anybody else or shareable or everybody or that data scientist decides to go and go for a new opportunity and nothing's documented teams have to start from zero uh we don't have anything that all the time we spend on that project and it's kind of starting from zero all the time and that is it's stupid I mean, if we think about it, but we don't land there until we see it from that perspective. And to see it from that perspective, we needed to understand what was needed as part of this, what we call end-to-end, end cycle, that at the end is what are we doing with data and how we want to optimize what we can do with data. So 20 years ago, it was like, I am solving the problem and I discovered Python and this is a good machine learning model. But today is like, okay, operationalize that. Who else is gonna benefit out of that? And how we're gonna ensure that whatever you produced is a reusable asset. And I don't care if you have this set of skills versus this set of skills. At the end, we are collaborating towards this one idea, business use case, project, or call it or you can call it. So that's the cultural change that I'm starting to see. I am a data scientist. I have a data scientist background and I know for a fact that we can be very self full of ourselves sometimes. And that is not a good thing when you are collaborating towards a project. So you no, know, is the is the business expert who has to validate this. Is the guy who has the experience in the field who has to validate this. Is the person who has been looking at this data for the last 20 years who has to validate this. And sometimes pocket, 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 not only from the persona perspective, but also for the technology perspective. So pockets that do not talk to each other. And that is something that we learned needs to change for us to really maximize what we can do with enterprise data. And that is embracing the very diverse team that these companies have, where you have very techie techie savvy personas with the open source and programming and all of that, but you also have personas that equally need to ask a question to the data.
for them to be successful in terms of their own OKRs, right? So the technology is there, but is siloed. And being siloed causes friction. And friction is a cause of not being able to optimize a process. So that's the change that I'm seeing culturally and that I love seeing culturally because it's not only, hey, I understand about data and I understand about data science, but I also can collaborate towards this project that is going to be operationalized and that other teams are going to get the benefit out of it and that we're actually doing something with this technology that is not only for me as an individual contributor, this is for us so we can actually impact the business for real. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head the percentage, but I know it was impressively high, maybe 70% of AI models never actually even make it to production. Oh yeah, it's, it's very high, yeah. And that number changes and I have heard different debrief numbers on it, but it's always over 70%. And it's very sad and you see it happening over and over and over again. Or when you have a desktop solution that is not going anywhere, that's running out of gas. Like we have to think bigger. We have to think about this holistically, back to the point, right? So it's, it's not only me producing something that nobody else is going to be able to use, it's me producing my piece, but it's a piece that is going to be able to talk with the other pieces. And at the end, how are we going to ensure that we can orchestrate the use of the technology and really maximize that opportunity? Well, that's good. And there's technology platforms that can help solve some of this. And I think when you see now the familiarity within the industry around AI in general, now, you know, everybody, my 10 year old cousin knows about ChatGPT and at least what AI is and what it means. That wasn't the case even just two years ago. So there's now a familiarity. There's amazing platforms. Data IQ is one that's helping solve a ton of really good technology problems with companies. But I think there's a very key piece to this, which is a term that I learned from you, and it's called tech communicate. And that's a big part with these different companies, making sure that these different players, these different silos know how to tech communicate between each other so that progress is made. And it's not just another SaaS product is brought in, another AI model is built, and nothing is actually ever put into production or utilized or seen to be fruitful for the cost investment that was made. Spot on, spot on. And it happens so much. So it's fun to see the shift. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's fun to see the shift. And, let, and the tech communicate, I will say, I'm gonna give you an analogy that I like actually, because I'm Colombian. Therefore, my first language is Spanish. I'm sure you knew that. And then, I am also learning English every day. It's like, it's a constant thing, right? It's not that, it's a constant thing. And it's always gonna sound slightly different and, and, and it's okay, you know, I, I just embrace it. Uh, but I will say that uh, as speaking a second language, when I say the technology or being able to tech communicate, when you do speak a another language, when you get to another country, immediately you kind of open the door for culture, music, a completely different level of connection when you are able to communicate, right? So it's very different to go to a country and not know anything about what's going on in your surroundings and not being able to understand that context and that 
value added to it. That exactly thing is what happens in technology. When you have all of these teams solving their problems with their piece of the stack. So let me solve my problem. This is my piece of a stack. Whatever I am producing here is not consumable by anybody else in the company, but any other of the pieces of the stacks. And that is a huge problem because it's not only silos on terms of data, we are swimming on data silos, but it's also siloed teams and siloed skills and siloed tech pockets. And, and that right there is friction automatically, right? So uh, removing those silos from the tech perspective and allowing the solutions to tech communicate, generate reusable assets, and right there is where you have the foundation for innovation because teams don't have to start from zero all the time. So now you can reuse all of the things that are already working and now let's innovate. Now let's think about the next step. And how are we going to take this solution into what it means and next steps? It could be predictive. It could be descriptive. It doesn't need to be machine learning, but it's always a next step. How do we do it better? How do we do it faster? What else can we solve with this same core of assets, right? That's good. I personally love your analogy as well, because I'm personally preparing for a trip to Greece. And one does not just get on a plane and go to Greece without doing a little research, <laughs> understanding like, can I drive there? Can I get in? What am I going to eat? How am I going to communicate? Right. But somehow in the tech context, we forget that we are going to potentially speak a separate new language to a group or we need to understand their language. And we just go into it cold without doing any research, without understanding the culture, without understanding what's going on and think like we're just gonna be able to ask, you know, how can we order a salmon, blah, blah, blah in the restaurant without attempting to communicate it in that group's language. So it's funny that those parallels just sometimes are lost when it's in a tech situation, but the same things ring true in communicating between those different groups mm. and why they even potentially sometimes become silos is because we just forget that we've got to stop and understand the situation we're walking into and that language that is communicated between that different company, that different group, that part of the organization, whatever that silo may be defined as. Spot on. And sometimes we forget about the after, like we solved it, done. Hey, wait, who's going to use it and what's the next level and who needs to understand what you attempted to do here <laughs> and the extra, no? So it's thinking about outside our bubble and thinking about the final OKR that we are trying to hit, right? Or the final KPI that we are trying to affect or at the end is ROI in terms of a solution that we are offering. But it's how we're going to prove that this thing is working better. And that's why I think specifically folks that make the impact like you do in the technology world are so crucial to a company's success because you can be that consultant, you can be that bridge, you can help have that business conversation, have that tech conversation and get those people to talk so that it's an effective communication and back and forth where ultimately an outcome is accomplished or, hey, sometimes even things have to be shut down. Sometimes it's a, hey, there isn't a win here. Let's stop and 
fail fast, move, go to the next problem to solve and pick back up there. So you introduced this other idea to me now that I want to talk about too, which is how we can holistically enable tech within our lives. Because you constantly, I mean, it's been a theme throughout this episode, talk about looking at things from a holistic level. But when it comes to tech and inviting that into your life, what does that look like for you in your day-to-day and what you're doing with your business and your impact on your customers? Yeah, so for me, holistically always means zoom out. Zoom out one level. And sometimes when I engage with a conversation, I talk to multiple people. That's my job uh, is pretty much listen to a lot of these problems from the tech perspective that a lot of these personas are facing in the daily base. So I talk to people that, you know, it goes from the analyst engineer who is trying to solve an ABC problem, but it goes all the way to the um, leadership aspect from the enterprise approach. What are we going to do with this new technology and how are we going to be responsible about it? So when I say holistically for me is let's think about our daily life and potential outcomes. And when I say holistically, it's like, it's not just a solution that I'm going to sit down and write in my computer and then turn off and go and forget about it. Like we are no longer there. Right now, everything that is AI, data related, machine learning, generative AI, and all of that right now is where it matters the most to think about it holistically. When I say holistically, I refer zoom out and think about who is doing what, where the data is coming from, what is represented there, and most importantly, who is going to be affected by it. And when I say who is going to be affected by it, it's like a lot of these machine learning algorithms are actually making decisions today. And if you haven't seen uh, Black Box in is Black Box in uh, Netflix, uh, it is it's time to kind of face this because this is the time for us to embrace the technology, but from the human <laughs> aspect of it, very conscient about these potential outcomes. And holistically means it's not a point and click solution that you're going to forget about it. We are now training these models. We are now establishing the process that needs to happen within the enterprise to optimize what we can do with this data. And we are now establishing, establishing what it means to have a responsible framework and what it means to be within alignments and within guardrails. So holistically means technology has potential negative outcomes, especially if machine learning is involved in decisions and is generating yes, no outcomes, or yes, I give you the loan versus no, I don't give you the loan, or yes, you can buy a house versus no, you cannot buy a house. I mean, there are decisions that every day are affecting the regular human being in the daily basis. So holistically means let's think about this and let's maximize what we can do with the data and let's ensure that we 
use the technology that is there, but also with an education uh, perspective. And it's like, what can go wrong? How do we ensure the right people is involved in this framework or empower our personas and let them enjoy the phenomenal chapter that we are living as humans? I mean, I think we are living in a very important chapter and is changing the way that we live in our day-to-day basis and universities are rethinking about the curriculum and we have chat GPTs passing exams and bar exams and all of that so this is the time where we need to have these conversations and embrace it in a responsible way and that's what I mean by holistically just zoom out and think beyond that like so what what else consequences bad outcomes black swans right that's what i mean thanks for sharing that now catalina i have one final question for you and it's around principles and i want to hear from you what is the guiding principle that you've lived by to be successful in business well i will say that i always and this is a classic principle which is the customer experience but I'm going to add a layer there because it's not only the customer experience, it's, it's the customer experience with education because it's not, there is a lot going on right now from the technology ecosystem perspective. I mean, sometimes it's overwhelming, right? It's a lot going on right now. And and a lot of people, you know, if if the only thing that you have is a hammer, so everything is, is a nail. And I think that that is where I can make a difference and that's my guiding principle is prioritizing that customer experience from the what this really means for you for your team from your journey from your vision and from where you are today where you want to be tomorrow but realistically is is connecting dots for a more realistic approach so it's, it's not so much the imagination of what tech can do for me is the actual education and opening the door for that conversation and and the friendly environment where you can ask. It doesn't matter how crazy you think the question is or how stupid you think the question is. I, I open that door. So customer experience for sure, but with the extra passion for education that I have from forever ago and that now more than ever I embrace and I'm very thankful for because I do see my customers in front of me when they cross the aha moment and that's something very satisfactory for me when I actually help in this decision making process but they are successful the project is successful. Somebody learned something very useful in between and the education aspect of it was the differentiator. So I will say that that is my guiding principle for sure. Well, you're just such an impressive and interesting person. And I have to make one final note before we end this episode today and that all of the art there behind you is also your handiwork in whatever free time that you have. You've built these beautiful pieces. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration for that? 
Absolutely. Well, I started a uh, few years ago with zero background and uh, somebody actually, it was on a date and they, I was completely blind and all I had was a canvas in front of me and some painting, but I was blind and it was an experience that, well, it, it transformed my hobby. So it, it was very impactful. So after that, I started to do it on my own, zero techniques, zero classes, zero nothing. I just like doing so. So I am not super strict about the what happens, what is the outcome, what is the technique. I don't care. I just uh, buy canvases and I create a painting. Some of them are because a trip like this one, New Orleans, that was inspired by New Orleans. This one was a phenomenal full, full moon in Medellin. This one was in El Tairona, Colombia. So it's like all of them are tied to something that was kind of uh, the trigger. But I will say the most important thing is that it's super relaxing and that I absolutely love it. It's the best way to spend the time. Like my mind shoots down and is able to think about a zillion other things beyond machine learning and that's phenomenal right it's like okay my my left side of the brain my right side of the brain i'm also into music i'm also into mixing i'm also into i mean i love colors i love art so for me the best right side of the brain comes from my left side of the brain for, for me it's balance balance so that's the story of the world besides my curly hair doesn't look good with any of the digital backgrounds that my company has been creating not this one or the previous one so there is something wrong with digital backgrounds and curly hair and this is still not good enough so that's part of the problem i had to do my own world that's great well and it's so beautiful and i think it speaks back to what we learned a lot about you today which is that you like to have this holistic big picture and balanced life. And you're able to do that with your impressive career, the impact you're making for women in tech, and then your creative and artsy side. So I so appreciate having you on the show today. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And I will share as many links as I can of where people can find you and reach out to you and keep tabs on all the great work you're doing. So thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Rebecca. It's been a pleasure having this time with you as well.